Are you ready to make positive transformation happen for you? Today, you're going to hear how some of the most successful people in the world have made it happen. Hello, and welcome to Transformational Energy Leadership with Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey. These successful people and Dr. Woolsey will share advice, insights, tips, and tricks designed to help you incite personal action. It's time to bring positive transformational leadership to your life. Now, here's your host, Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey. Hello and welcome to Transformational Energy Leadership. I'm your host, Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey, coming to you from the heartland of America. Now, during those commercial breaks, I encourage you to go to my website, that's transformationalenergyleadership.com, where you can learn more about me and my business offerings, and contact me. You can email me at mwoolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. You can go to this platform, that's Voice America, under the Empowerment Channel, or you can also find me on LinkedIn and Facebook. So let's get to it. I truly believe that most people at the very core are good. And when faced with difficult situations, people will seek to do the right thing. And then complexity enters the equation that begins to challenge a person's values. Let's call these ethical dilemmas. Ethical dilemmas have potential for blurring what we believe and value. And it's the subsequent actions we choose to take. It's our behaviors that then put our very own integrity on the line. And you have to ask yourself, do your actions align with who you say you are? And that's what we are going to talk about today, leading with integrity. My guest today is Rob Chestnut. He's the Chief Ethics Officer at Airbnb and author of the book, it's called Intentional Integrity, How Smart Companies Can Lead an Ethical Revolution, soon to be released this coming June. Now, before assuming his current role at Airbnb, Rob worked 14 years at the Department of Justice, where he prosecuted bank robberies, kidnappings, murders, and espionage cases. He moved to the corporate world as a lawyer for eBay in the earlier years, where he helped navigate and establish guidelines across a number of issues between buyers and sellers and so forth. And then he made a change and went on to work at Chegg, a digital education leader, where he was involved in taking the company public in 2013. Rob, I am thrilled to have you on here on Transformational Energy Leadership. Well, after reading and learning about your background, we are sure to have a good conversation today on this hot topic <laughs> of integrity. And, you know, I have to be honest with you, I've had a few past guests also who have addressed this issue of integrity, but you certainly bring a whole new lens to look through when we talk about this topic. So let's get into it. I would imagine, Rob, if we were to poll everyone listening to the show today and ask them, do you lead with integrity? I think they would all say, well, of course I do. But you're right. It isn't quite that easy. So if you wouldn't mind, Rob, talk with us about this thing you call the integrity trap and why it isn't enough to keep people and organizations out of trouble. Well, you know, I, I talk to all the employees at, at Airbnb, uh, and all the new ones, too, at orientation. And, but I, I start off the talk with who has integrity. Uh, hands go up everywhere. Um, but uh, it, you then look at, at data and studies and find that trust is actually at an all-time low. Uh, when you ask, do people trust companies? Do they trust business leaders? Do they trust religious leaders? Um, so it's odd. We all trust ourselves. We all feel as though we've got integrity, but when it comes to someone else, the, that, that, that trust evaporates. Um, and it, it, integrity is something that um, 
we all believe in ourselves. We all believe that we've got it. But I think we also tend to give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. Um, and we can be quite good at rationalizing our own actions, uh, depending on the circumstances that we, we, we end up uh, getting ourselves in. So we have to be really, I think, mindful of, uh, of integrity in our everyday actions because it's very easy to slip into a, a world where we can, we, we can talk ourselves into, you know, hey, it's okay, I can do and it's so easy, and like you said there, we're, we're able to rationalize our own intentions, but we don't know, I don't know quite what your intentions are, Rob, so I just base my judgment off of your behavior, what I see, and that's where it gets really complicated. Right. Yeah. It does Ethics. get complicated, yeah. It, I, I spent time, it's interesting, I spent time um, looking at the science behind it a little bit. Um, I went out to Duke University and, and spent a day with a guy by the name of Dan Ariely. He's a, a well-known behavioral psychologist. And he talks about this experiment that he does. Uh, fills a room with people and uh, gives them a sheet of math problems. And he tells everybody, I'm not going to give you enough time to do all the problems. But when I say start, start. When I say stop, put your pencil down. So room's filled Math problems get handed out. Everybody starts. He says, stop. He then says, all right, everybody, come to the front of the room, uh, one by one. Put your sheet in a shredder, and then walk over to the proctor and tell them how many problems you've done. And you'll get a dollar for every problem you say that you did. Um, what he doesn't tell people is that shredder only shreds the outer edges of the test. So they actually know how many problems you've done. What percentage of people do you think uh, are not truthful um, when it comes to uh, just a simple exercise like that, the dollar a problem? I would say it's, it's shocking to me. Yeah, I would say it's high. Yeah, 70%. 70% of the people do. And it, uh, but most of those only fudge a little bit by you know, one, two problems. Um, and what, what Ariely learned is that, you know, people will, will tend to fudge a little bit in their own favor in normal circumstances, as long as they, they can still feel good about themselves. Um, but if you remind them of their better selves first, then they're less likely to do it. So take the same exercise, except before the test starts, he asks everyone to write down as many of the Ten Commandments at the top of the page as they can remember. Now, nobody can remember all the Ten Commandments. Some people can barely remember one or two of them. But <laughs> cheating in those circumstances virtually evaporates. So just a simple exercise of reminding people of their better selves and, uh, and of ethics um, can have a big impact on what is an ordinary human tendency to, you know, to fudge things a little bit in your own, uh, in your own favor. Isn't that something? And they're in, embedded in that whole thing, a huge message already that will guide our conversation today is it's those little things, whether it's fudging or it's just the reminders are so imperative when we think about integrity. You know, Rob, I, I want to bring up this thing about ethics because for many leaders, it can be intimidating and they really don't really want to come across as hypocritical or sanctimonious. In fact, in your book, and this connects to your earlier comment about the Ten Commandments, you call it the Moses Syndrome. Why? So my question for you, Rob, is why is it imperative leaders have these conversations? Well, you raise a good point. Leaders don't talk about integrity much. 
You know, it's the sort of thing that gets buried in a code of ethics that gets emailed out and stuck in an employee handbook. And uh, But when it actually comes to an honest conversation about integrity, I think leaders are often reluctant to do it. I, I think part of it is, look, none of us are perfect. And, mm-hmm. and I think there's a little bit of, well, like, uh, I'm a little afraid of talking about integrity myself because somebody might point the finger back at me and say, well, who are you? And who are you to tell me about what, what is ethical or what's moral? Um, and as a result, ethics, integrity, um, becomes something that's unspoken in the workplace. Um, and that's exactly the, the, the sort of environment where integrity problems can flourish. I, I think you know, uh, ambiguity is a real enemy of integrity. So where where things are not spoken, they're not clear, that creates an environment where people can do, uh, they can talk themselves into uh, doing things um, and say, you know, oh, it's okay if I do that, because no one's said anything about it. No one's talked about it. So there's a, there's a lot of creative freedom for people to operate. Um, and, and so it, it's, I think, so important for leaders to, um, to get over this this sort of uh, reluctance to talk about integrity um, and be, be a spokesperson for it within the company, um, because I think when you create an environment of integrity, um, you know that's where people are most likely to uh, to act in a way that everyone's going to be proud of, um, mm. and, and it has to start with leaders. If, if the leaders talk about it, then people believe that, well, that's, that's what's the right thing to do. That's the culture here, and that's the way that I should operate. Um, if leaders are silent, uh, that, that sort of ambiguity is where you're going to have problems. Mm-hmm. And in your book, you have a framework you call the six C's, and we won't let the cat out of the bag here. But the very first one is you do address that it, has, it must start from the top. So, Rob, how or what are some ways that leaders – can start to initiate this dialogue around ethics and integrity. I, I think they have to recognize that integrity um, is, a, is, a, is core to their company, core to their work. And by the way, I, I think integrity ought to be core to every company's work. It doesn't matter whether you're you know, an, an online platform for short-term rentals or if you're, you're selling tires. Um, it, it ought to be a part of your business. And I think it's really the, the, uh, there are good business reasons for it. You know, integrity is something that resonates with employees. It resonates with customers. Uh, and it resonates with the community where you operate. Uh, there's a lot of data to show that uh, companies that are perceived, at least, to operate with integrity uh, outperform the market and certainly outperform uh, peer companies that are perceived not to be operating with integrity. So... Um, but what leaders have got to do is they've got to, they've got to, first of all, they have to, they have to buy in. Um, it, it, the worst thing you can do is say that you're all about integrity and doing the right thing and then act differently. Because then not only do you not have integrity, but you're a hypocrite and everybody knows it. So as a leader, I think you have to buy into this concept that, look, this is, it's the right thing to do and it's the right thing to do for the business. Um, and, and once you've done that as a leader, then you have to, uh, I think you have to sit down with your leadership team. Um, you, this is something uh, I, I talk about in the book. You, you can't outsource integrity. You can't bring in a third-party consultant. You can't have everybody watch some slickly produced video and say, well, you know, thank goodness now we've addressed that problem. People want to hear 
directly from the leader um, in a human, authentic way um, what integrity means and why it's important to the company. Now, and, and once you've got that buy-in, um, once a leader, you know, sincerely in an authentic human way talks about it and communicates it, then great things are possible. Um, but without that, um, you know, it, it's uh, unfortunately, I think, real limits on what you can do. So they have to have the conversation. I, and I'm so glad that you said you can't bring in a third party and have them facilitate it. It's You have to have the honest, hard conversation within your group. That's so very important. You know, Rob, we are at a commercial break. And I think what's going to make this even more real for all of us is we start talking about Facebook, Google, Boeing, and other companies that we're seeing in the news of what's going on. So what we'll do is we'll take a commercial break and over the, I encourage all my listeners out there, go to my website, that's transformationalenergyleadership.com, and we will be back here in two minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you really want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune into Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions. Some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Take a closer look at yourself in the present. Your body has its own GPS system designed to help you follow your intuition, align your thoughts, and set your own course. Host Dee Lee is here to be your external guide to this discovery. Take a break, a mindful space to pause, and help bring forth the balance that your life deserves. Listen live for Mindful Space to Pause every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in every week for Inspired Chi Radio with A.J. Johnsack and Tracy Sanginetti. Do you sometimes feel like you have no direction? Every one of us is a soul with a body, not the other way around. Discover your talent and purpose. Tracy and AJ help you create your most authentic life and master your powerful, positive energy using modalities like hypnosis, tarot, and your own individual Akashic records. Join us live every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are tuned in to Transformational Energy Leadership. To reach Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey or his guest today, you are welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, send it to mwoolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Now, back to this week's show. I am joined by Rob Chestnut, who is the Chief Ethics Officer at Airbnb and author of the, his book that's going to come out in June. is called Intentional Integrity, How Smart Companies Can Lead an Ethical Revolution. Now, Rob, before the break, we were talking about why it's so important that leaders make integrity 
a big part of the of their business plan and how they lead their organization. But the question becomes, how do you even begin to have these conversations? What do leaders need to say? Uh, don't screw up the culture. Focus on the culture. You know, get the culture right. And then uh, after they hear that, they think, well, what does that mean? How do I do that? Um, you know, I think when it comes to integrity, uh, you got to get specific. Um, and, and to give you an ex- a few examples of things that we talked about, um, you know, we, we put together a code of ethics. You know, often a code of ethics is something that a law firm sends you, um, or you, you look online and find someone else's code of ethics and you put uh, your own logo on top of it, email it out to everybody. That, to me, you need to get a company engaged in, in, in the creation of a code of ethics that reflects your own culture and, and the way you want your own work environment to be. Um, and that's something that needs involvement from a variety of people in the company, and it needs buy-in from leadership. So I'll give you an example. One, one thing at Airbnb um, we talked about was you know, the issues that can arise with, uh, with dating in the workplace. Um, and in particular, you know, we, we sat down as a leadership team. Uh, the, the, it's called the E-Team here at Airbnb. And I walked in and said, look, I, I think there, there can be a lot of issues created if any of us had a relationship with a vendor or an employee. So I think part of our, uh, our ethics at the company ought to be that members of the executive team are not going to engage in relationships with employees or vendors. Um, what do you all think? And we had a discussion about it. You know, somebody is saying, laughingly, oh, Rob, we all are in relationships or married anyway. That doesn't really matter. And I pointed out, look, you know, from the headlines that I'm reading, that doesn't seem to stop people in companies. Um, but we made an intentional decision that if any of us got involved in a romantic relationship with an employee or a vendor, um, it would not reflect well on the company. Um, and it would actually probably undermine trust and leadership. So we just agreed in the room looking at each other, um, that we weren't going to do it. And then we put it in the code of ethics that that's what the, the executive team will not engage in those sorts of relationships. Um, and by being intentional about it, and even then uh, telling employees about it, it makes it far less likely that any of us would ever break that rule. Um, and we end up avoiding the sort of problems that I think you've seen uh, other companies uh, get themselves in trouble with. And we, we did something similar around alcohol. We did something similar around even, we even talked about hugging at work and whether, you know, in, in today's modern workplace, can people even hug each other? We had a conversation about what our approach ought to be. But you need that level of, I think, specificity and intentionality. Wow. That's what makes it real. I'm thinking there's, you know, data integrity. Yeah, I mean, there's so many. But what you're saying, yeah. you need to sit down, yes, you know, have that conversation. Each department. Well, each department, you know, what we realized after a while is that, you know, we can have a broader code of ethics um, that governs, you know, the you know, 6,000 or so employees at Airbnb, but each group has its own issues around uh, ethics and integrity. So, for example, Airbnb has experiences, you know, not just lodging, but we have, you know, uh, they have things where people, you know, in their own hometown or while they're traveling can uh, meet with a local. Um, and do something that, uh, that the local is passionate about and has experience with. Um, some of those experiences involve animals. Um, well, we, we thought about it and realized there was really the potential for um, uh, something embarrassing for the company and something that's not good for animals 
to end up on our website. So we, the group that works on animal experiences actually developed a little one-page code of ethics in consultation with animal rights groups. And we made our own decision about what sort of animal experiences are appropriate and which, what sort of animal experiences are on brand for us and what do we want to stay away from. Um, so you know, from everything from animal experiences to data to privacy, marketing, um, uh, different groups now in Airbnb are talking about, um, well, maybe we need a, a, a code of ethics that specifically addresses the things that we do every day. So the world aligned around these, these things. And by having that open, intentional conversation about it and, and coming to an agreement, um, you're a lot less likely to, to have the sort of ethical issues that I think have plagued a number of peer Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And I also hear what you're talking about here is it's really being proactive so that it, has, it hopefully diminishes the, the reactive actions that happen. Well, that's right. You know, uh, the the program that that I you know, developed here at Airbnb, it was born out of reading about the problems that other companies have had, mm. and uh, a belief that look, I'm going to be spending time with these issues anyway. Um, the question is whether I can spend the time proactively in a positive way, having a conversation with employees about what kind of company we want to be and how we want to treat each other. Or I'm going to spend my time chasing around the problems and trying to clean up issues uh, that occur because we never had the, the conversation in the first place. I'd rather spend my time being proactive and having positive conversations uh, and preventing problems. All right. So lesson number one for all of us listening to this conversation, we've got to have those conversations, have the dialogue broadly as well as dig down into your area. I have to ask you because – Rob, we see these organizations like Facebook, Google, Boeing, Uber, Houston Astros, <clears throat> excuse me, coming under fire for failing to live up to their values. So what's at stake if companies don't directly and explicitly address integrity? Well, I think part of the problem is that they, perhaps in each case, those companies didn't do a good enough job um, talking explicitly about what their values are. And, and, you know, if there's a lack of clarity around what your values are, if you haven't had a conversation about it inside the company, thought through the consequences of, uh, of deciding one path versus another path, um, then, again, people um, can, can get off in the wrong direction. You know, I, I think one easy path, and, again, I, I have not been inside any of those companies, so I can't tell you, um, you know, exactly where they went wrong. But you know, a lot of times at companies, people put a number on the wall. Um, and the number on the wall is a financial metric. Or, you know, we're, go- or we're going to have X number of users. Uh, we're going to generate X amount of revenue this quarter. And we're all going to get behind this number and, make sh- and, and hit this number. Well, when you do that, you, and you don't talk at all about uh, ethics, it almost gives everyone permission to do what it takes to hit the number. You know, you've all, we've all heard the stories about the CEO that walks into the room and says, you know, I don't care how you get this done, just get it done. Now that, that's where I've, mm. I've read that Volkswagen really went off the rails with their emission scandal. Um, you, if you put uh, such a heavy emphasis 
on any particular business result without having a firm foundation in ethics, um, that's where you have the potential for a major embarrassing brand incident that will end up setting you back you know, even further um, sort of in your journey to be a great trusted company. Right. So that that brings me to and that Volkswagen example. Yeah, you're right. If things just go awry, and it, it reminds me of something that you wrote in your book that I think that you are pretty adamant about that gets leaders in trouble, and that's when organizations write the what you call zero tolerance policies. Why are these a bad way to approach ethical behavior? Well, I don't think ethics is always that that black and white. Um, mm-hmm. And I think what you end up, what ends up happening is you don't talk about ethics or integrity. Um, then something goes wrong. And then the, in, in a sort of a, uh, an effort to get things under control, um, the comps, you know, a lot of times comps people will, will feel the need to um, go way out and say, oh, we have a zero tolerance against X, Y, or Z. Um, and it's an effort to get a problem under control and, and to, to express your deep concern um, for, for a particular type of behavior. The, the problem is that in turn creates its own issue. Uh, what does zero tolerance for something mean? You know, uh, uh, because, because in so many cases, um, the, the behavior, certain behavior is, is not, not right, but then there may be certain behavior that's related to it that might be okay. So um, zero tolerance, I think, is a, a wishful desire to make the world very black and white, very clear, um, when in reality, it often isn't so clear. Um, and so rather than you know, sort of after the problem occurs, trying to recover by uh, expressing a, this, a harsh line in something, I think it's better to have sort of an honest conversation up front about, look, this is what the policy is going to be. Um, and a lot of times, um, you know, if you do that, um, you, you get a little more flexibility because not all ethical violations are equal. Um, not all rules are entirely clear. And it's better, I think, to have the flexibility to deal with different sorts of ethical issues in the appropriate way rather than being stuck with, oh, man, oh, we said it was zero tolerance, and I know it's, you know, uh, we really don't want to have to fire somebody for doing this, but we said we had a zero tolerance, so therefore we're, we're stuck with it now. Mm. That leads me to my next question then, because I know all organizations, something just out of nowhere hits you. So we've talked about dating. There's this Me Too movement. There's other things that happen in the workplace. But there are some surprising ethical blind spots that you you are pretty adamant that we need to pay attention to. Do you mind speaking about that? Well, there are uh, there there's a lot of things when you sit down. I'll, I'll talk about alcohol for one. Um, you know, over and over again in the course of my career, I've seen uh, you know people in companies um, do things that are entirely inappropriate. They end up losing their job, embarrassing the company, embarrassing themselves, derailing their career. Um, and often the thing that they do that gets them in trouble is preceded by excessive alcohol consumption in a work environment. Right? Um, and, you know, 
if you spend any time in, in an HR world, you know, everybody's got stories of you know, someone that, that, uh, that drank too much and then did something uh, that they regretted. And by the way, this is something that you'll see even with leaders in companies. Um, and however, the company doesn't do anything about alcohol. They continue to hold uh, holiday parties that are, you know, uh, that go on for long periods of time with open bar and hard liquor, creating the environment um, where these problems can occur. Um, and so, you know, to give you an example of the sort of thing we do at Airbnb, we, we have a talk about alcohol right up front. You know, alcohol is available in our workplace. Fine. But we play, place real limits on it. We don't have big uh, holiday parties with hard liquor. We have um, an event that might last a couple of hours with a little bit of wine and a little bit of beer. But it also has uh, uh, hosts who do experiences, and they come in and uh, give experiences to employees in an environment where alcohol isn't the focus of the conversation. And I'll have a conversation with employees. I talk to them. Um, it's, it's funny. People at the company, we, we call it Rob's rule now. Um, <laughs> I tell them that I have a personal rule that uh, I will never have more than two drinks in any work setting. And that's been a lifelong uh, rule that I've had in the workplace. Uh, why? Why two drinks? And it's because I know myself, um, and I uh, know that I can have two drinks, and I'm not going to do anything dumb that will embarrass myself. Um, and I, I, however, don't want to ever push the envelope, or don't ever want to put myself in a position where um, I might do something that I'd regret. So I don't want to go to drink three or four. Um, my career is too important to be for, for that. But I'll have a drink or two with employees, enjoy a local beer or a local wine. And I tell employees, look, you don't have to have Rob's rule. You know, some people, um, I know people that don't drink alcohol at all anywhere. Great. You know, and I know people that have made a decision they don't ever want to drink in a work environment. That's fine, too. Maybe they have a one drink rule. But the point is, um, everybody needs to have their own rule. Everybody should have their own rule around alcohol at work. And the worst time to be developing a rule around how much you should drink at work is while you're drinking at work. And, and so I, I urge everybody at Airbnb, take a minute, reflect on, you know, your own relationship with alcohol and make a promise to yourself, a commitment that well, whenever I'm in a work setting, I'm going to, I'm never going to exceed X. And by encouraging people to do that, and then by ensuring that work events don't focus on alcohol, we're less likely to have the sorts of problems uh, that can end up creating embarrassing uh, moments for the brand, embarrassing moments for leaders, uh, and derail careers. Mm. So it all, I, I like how you say that. Everybody has to have their own rules as well um, to abide by. We're, we're at a commercial break, Rob, but I, and on the other side, I want to talk about that. And how does one's own individual fit into this culture of integrity and so forth? So for everyone out there, stay tuned. We will be back here in two minutes. Voice America is available on your Google connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. Our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives, but the lives of everyone around us. 
Find new meanings of love, authentic expressions, and better connections with the people in your life. Tune in to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. This program will feature guests and discuss ideas that will bring a better life to you. When you find this perspective on love, it will change everything. Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Life-changing events can have positive and or negative repercussions. When they happen, they can feel elating or devastating to those affected. It can also get in the way of your personal and professional life. On Life-Altering Events with host Frank Zakari, we examine the scope of these events and discuss how to move forward in the wake of the opportunities presented. It's never too late to get started or pick up the pieces and move forward. Listen Tuesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Broaden your mind. Open your heart for a greater understanding of how to express your pure and authentic nature. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Simron, author, publisher, and life mentor, broadens minds and opens hearts to a greater understanding of life, consciousness, and humanity. 1111 Talk Radio is every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 1111 Talk Radio. You are not on a journey. You are the journey. You are experience experiencing itself. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Transformational Energy Leadership. To reach Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey or his guest today, you are welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, send it to mwoolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Now, back to this week's show. And hello there. My guest today is Rob Chestnut, and he is the Chief Ethics Officer at Airbnb and author of his book called This Intentional Integrity, How Smart Companies Can Lead an Ethical Revolution. So, Rob, before the break, you were talking about individuals having their own role and sticking to them. And I want to go down that path for just a minute, a minute because I think a lot of people hear what's termed culture of integrity and worry that their values and those of their company, they might diverge a bit. So what advice do you have for companies who have to reinforce common standards of integrity while respecting each employee's right to their personal opinions and preferences? Uh, that's a challenging question, right? I mean, uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's so much emphasis, right, on today on diversity in the, work, in the workplace. And uh, diversity is such a tremendous strength for a company. Um, but it brings with it its own set of challenges. You, know, you work with people now who come from different parts of the world. Um, they have different backgrounds, different uh, religions, um, and, and there, there can be different ideas about what, what integrity means. And that's a big challenge. And I think, um, it, look, not everyone has to be 100% aligned on their personal views around integrity. But if you're going to be effective as a company, you do need to have some common standards of how, uh, how everyone is going to treat each other. And they're, they're, I think employees even recognize, look, they may not love every single rule 
that uh, a company comes up with to govern conduct in the workplace. But there has to be a recognition that we're all in the same workplace, and we all need a common set of standards. You know, a, a great example is, let's take hugging. Um, I've had several conversations with CEOs. You know, can you hug anybody anymore uh, at work? Uh, I know that uh, I was reading the other day the CEO of Ted Baker, a uh, famous men's clothier, uh, lost his position, founder CEO, uh, thrown out of the company for hugging. Um, apparently, he believed in hugging and thought everyone should be hugging, and he hugged everybody. And it generated so many complaints that the board needed to act. Um, and I, I go around Airbnb and uh, ask the question, you know, how many huggers are there in the room? Um, and uh, it's split. And I go to some, uh, some areas of the world where they look at me like I'm crazy. It's like, uh, of course we hug. We hug. We kiss people on the cheek. What's wrong with that? And then I go to other places in the world where they look at me, and they're, they're wonderful, warm people, but it's like, yeah, don't touch me. <laughs> I would never hug anybody. And that can, it can vary even just in our San Francisco headquarters. So um, how, do you, how do you address that? And you know, so you can have a standard that I think that, that recognizes those differences. So the way that we look at it at Airbnb is touching someone is an act of consent. Um, hug somebody in the, in the workplace is totally fine as long as the uh, the huggy is uh, is welcome uh, and, and welcomes the hug, and that means you know, maybe you ask, maybe you uh, you look for clear body uh, signals cues that a hug is welcome. But um, by the same token, uh, someone who loves to hug cannot simply assume that everyone else has the same feelings and same views about that that they do, um, and they have to respect that. Um, so I think it's a blend. I think it's a, uh, an appreciation that different cultures are different um, and that we, we love that difference and love that diversity, but also a recognition that we have to, um, we have, to uh, have some uh, standards that apply across the company. And they don't have to be the same at every company. Every company can have its own culture. But within, within a company, there has to be some common understanding of the way that we're going to treat each other and the way that we're going to act. And it may involve a little sacrifice um, in the workplace uh, for, for people, but um, that, that common understanding comes with it and has its own value. Mm-hmm. So it, and it's learning, it's being informed, it's asking, having dialogue, it's so many things in there. So, and what you're saying is we don't have to comp, we don't have to like give up who we are, but we also need to be informed to make sure the other person in the equation is comfortable and agreeable. You, you know, this brings up some, you know, I've had conversations with men in the workplace who are nervous about, you know, with the Me Too movement, for example. They're so afraid of what they say might be taken out of context that I've had my friends say, I'm, I'm afraid to even have meetings with women now in private. Right. And so how, how do you, things like that, what's your recommendation for? Oh, I've talked to CEOs. I've, I've talked to two different public company CEOs who say, well, Rob, I would never hug a woman at work. I would, and uh, I won't go to dinner with a woman anymore at work. Mm-hmm. And I look at them, I say, oh, just a woman. Why, you know, isn't that, isn't that uh, creating the same problem that we're trying to avoid? Why would you think that a woman, a woman who comes up to you and tries to give you a hug is any more sexual than a man that tries to do it? Um, that, that's why, uh, I, I, look, I, I think um, 
we have to stop operating with fear. I do see I do see some of that fear in the workplace um, with with uh, with men uh, in light of the Me Too movement. But I do think you need you do need a certain level of trust. Again, there's a um, one way to deal with it. Again, is I don't assume that a hug is something that everyone wants. So I look for cues. Um, and if somebody says, "Rob, it's great to see you," and sticks out their hand, then I'm not going to try to hug them. Um, I uh, I try to, to 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 send a message that all my direct reports uh, are valued. Um, I probably won't go to to dinner one on one with any of them, to be honest with you, because I don't want to send a signal that that I'm buddies with one or two of them and not the rest of them. Um, mm. If we go to dinner, we'll go to a group dinner. Um, and if I really felt that I needed to have a, a one-on-one dinner with somebody, it wouldn't be dependent on their gender. And I might, uh, if I have dinner with one of my direct reports, I'll, have a, uh, I'll end up having dinner with all of them at some point over the next several months, just so that everybody knows that, uh, they, uh, that, that there's no special treatment um, or no one's going to be treated better or worse because of their gender or nationality or their, their religion. Right. So be careful. Just watch how what you're doing. Are you being fair? And and but I I, I felt like it was important for you to comment on that because I'm hearing that in so many different circles. You know, with the clients that I I work with. And but I want to move on to another point before we go to our last break, and that is, you know, in chapter nine, you wrote this statement that says there is a psychic and cultural cost when an individual decides he or she is going to use a personal calculus to balance out their frustrations or unhappiness with the status quo. And this is a slippery slope. From what you've seen, Rob, and all of your experiences, what does this lead to? Well, if people, if people feel free, um, if, they, if they sort of feel like, well, I'm underpaid, so therefore X, uh, so therefore I can do something else, um, you know, it seems like a little thing, but... But, you know, is, you know, Dan Ariely at Duke told me, he said, look, focus on the little thing. So if you want to prevent major ethical problems at the company, um, they, all, they start with a culture that of, of ambiguity and silence. And the ambiguity and silence creates an environment where people are free to make those little, those little uh, calculuses. It's like, well, you know, uh, I didn't get a bonus last quarter, so uh, they really owe me. Um, the, the, and so what you need is you need an environment where companies are, uh, you have open conversations about ethical issues um, and where there's clarity around, the th- around issues that really matter. Um, you get yourself in trouble where, you know, it's, it's interesting that the cultures that are in the most danger are, are where people are highly intelligent and highly creative. You know, Ariely told me that um, the more creative someone is and the more intelligent is, the more the easier it is for them to rationalize their behavior because everybody has to be able to feel good about themselves. And so individuals who are created by nature are actually better able to convince themselves that what they're doing is okay. And once they do that once and it's nothing happens to them and it's okay, um, their mind actually becomes conditioned and it becomes easier for them to take the next step and the next step and the next step. So you want to avoid these sorts of problems? Um, try to deal with the little things that, that can lead to that first step. And Rob, this leads so nicely way back to the example you shared with us in the beginning of the show about how many answers did you get correctly? It's those little 
actions that build. So that's the slippery slope you're addressing. We're at a commercial break. When we come back, Rob, your challenge is let's boil things down to that our key takeaways. What should we remember and, and think about as we move forward in this space of integrity and, and leading others? So for everyone out there, stay tuned. We will be back here in just a few minutes. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Join host Marla Goldberg each week for guided spirit conversations. This show puts you, the listener, in touch with some exciting guests. Hear how they've helped others and find out how you can help too through Marla's charity shoutouts. Are you ready to shift your current life experience? We've got tips, tools, and techniques designed to help you get started. Guided Spirit Conversations can be heard Thursdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. But it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Tune in to The James Dentley Show and learn strategies for success in business and in life. Dr. James Dentley is a proven success coach who knows how to convert good into great. You'll find out from the achievers and leaders how they got to be the success stories that they are. And Dr. Dentley and his guests will give you the tools you need to follow in their footsteps. It's time to become the best version of you. Listen to The James Dentley Show, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on Voice America Empowerment. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Transformational Energy Leadership. To reach Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey or his guest today, you are welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, send it to mwoolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back, everyone, to this final segment. We've been talking about leading an organization with intentional integrity, causing an ethical revolution. And my guest today has been Rob, and he has a big, has a lot of experience in this area. And Rob, I have to ask you, because my show is about leadership, it's about energy, and my, my listeners know I always ask, you know, I, I really believe that transformational leaders have energy, period. And I'm curious, what are your thoughts about leadership and energy and being in the space of integrity? Yeah, I've worked for a number of different leaders, and I um, I've been lucky to work with some really good ones. And they're, the energy is, each of them has a different type of energy, but I've seen a couple of qualities of the energy that I, that I really admire. Um, one is a, an ability to, to communicate in an authentic, sort of a human way, um, which I think is critical to integrity. You, you can't, um, it, it's tempting as a leader to throw out some buzzwords. 
um, or to, to let the head of HR sort of deal with it. But uh, a leader that can have an authentic conversation and when you, you can hear a tone in their voice um, that sends a message that this is something that's core to who they are and that, it, that it's sincere makes all the difference in the world. Um, often I find that leaders, leaders that have humility um, and can speak about integrity coming from a place of humility uh, are particularly effective. Um, and so that's, uh, those are a couple of qualities that I really admire. Things to watch out for, I think, are the leaders who have uh, an energy that seems to be based upon uh, their own ego. Um, and where it's about them uh, and, and, and not about a, a mission or, or something that's uh, uh, more human. Uh, where it's about them, I, I, I see more trouble ethically. Um, so those are just a couple of things that I look for in leaders. I look for an ability to communicate in a human, authentic way, you know, a belief in something that's, um, that's good for the world, a purpose, um, and being able to connect the work that everyone does every day to that bigger purpose and that, that, uh, that, that sense of humility that, that sort of underlies what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I find that those, are, those sorts of leaders are more likely uh, to, to have organizations, to run organizations that have integrity. Have integrity. And that makes a lot of sense. Well, thank you for sharing that piece of it. We've got just a couple of minutes left. And one is we step back and think about our conversation over the past hour. Rob, give us some top three headlines or action steps for us to lead ethical transformation. Well, I, I think number one, um, it's, it has to be intentional. In other words, you can't just sort of say, well, I'm a good person and I, I think we, ha- we have good people generally. We'll hire good people. Um, and so, you know, we, we don't have to worry about it. There's a, the, the, the trap around integrity is that um, people want to avoid the conversation because it, they, they feel like it could be a little uncomfortable. So I think the number one thing is you have to be, you have to be willing to address integrity um, in an intentional manner in an open human way with your company. Um, and I, I think number two is uh, the small things matter. Um, you, uh, it, and, and it, it starts with things like how do you, how do you deal with relationships in the workplace or um, uh, how, how do you deal with things like alcohol and dating and the like. Um, so it, by, by creating an environment where integrity is something that's talked about, it's, 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 uh, it's actually normal to have conversations about it. Um, you, you create that, you eliminate a lot of the ambiguity, um, and that ambiguity is where you end up with a, a number of integrity problems. Um, and uh, so, again, mo- uh, proactive is so important here. Often I see companies dealing with integrity after there's been a big problem. So then you end up with, you know, you needing to go to phrases like zero tolerance, um, and, and you end up with damage to your brand that uh, is hard to get back. Um, the best time to deal with integrity issues is when there's, there's not a big problem, um, mm-hmm. when there hasn't been a big blow-up inside the company or when there hasn't been a, a bad press around a particular issue. Uh, the best time to deal with it um, is outside of those sorts of crises. Um, 
And I think they're easier to deal with in those circumstances because it's much more, much more authentic and human and effective to be proactive in these areas than it is to react, to be reactive. And unfortunately, I think this is a conversation that too often is, um, delayed until it's, it's too late. Excellent. So be intentional. The small things matter. Be proactive. Thank you, Rob, for being on the show today. And for my listening audience, what's the best way that they can contact you after the show? Um, the best way they can do it is go to www.intentionalintegrity.com. Get information about the book. You can reach out to me and give me your thoughts. That'd be great. Fantastic. And during the commercial break, you told me your book is actually coming out in May. They've, they've moved it up. Uh, May 19th is the publication date. You can get it through uh, all of the channels. I like independent bookstores. But you can also get it through uh, Amazon and the other major retailers. Fantastic. Thank you, Rob. I am so thrilled that you were able to have some time with us today. And hopefully, uh, yes, integrity, integrity, integrity. And so for all my listeners out there, if you have any recommendations or thoughts or or ideas for shows coming up, please contact me. You can email me at mwolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Until next week, harness your positive energy and be transformational. Talk with you next week. Thank you for listening to Transformational Energy Leadership. Please join Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey again for another edition next Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.